0: Have you been getting on anyway in general as coaching and everything going and
1: uh everything's going well everything's going well um
0: i like the hoodie by the way anti-social oh, lifting club
1: yeah i uh i didn't even know about this company i found it i was like looking for i don't know just i needed some new clothes and i was like i'll support some like smaller you know strength training-esque companies so someone turned me on to barbells and bacon and i uh i found i was like this is perfect
0: i think i've heard of that before i find it interesting how um like i think there's such a clear division between the two different parts of the fitness industry by the clothing that people wear like i still have family members who sometimes like they're like, oh, kills into fitness. So I'm gonna get them like a gym shark shirt or something like that. And it's just something I would never <laughs> even like, consider wearing. Yeah. And I think it blows people's mind that like there's a lot of people who train who just literally wear like cotton t-shirts and hoodies.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yep. I, I mean the only t-shirts I own like I own a bunch of uh either t-shirts I get from meats. Or like uh, volunteer, like I I spotted and loaded at nationals, USAPL nationals last year, and you had to. They gave you shirts because all the spot loaders had like these special yeah. shirts. So I have like four of those. Uh, obviously, like my own collaborative strength t-shirts, but like that I've and got just the
0: um, black sheep thing as well.
1: Yeah, like yeah, I don't own like these high end nice t-shirts. I might buy like a nice no. hoodie or some joggers, but yeah, I try to I try to uh, support as many smaller brands as I can.
0: Yeah. And uh when you were doing the volunteering at Nationals that must have been exhausting. Was that just like a full day of loading and unloading bars?
1: So, yeah, pretty much. So that was um impromptu. It was not planned at all. I uh, I was there coaching lifters and they were just short staffed. <clears throat> and because Sophia is just like the nicest person in the world and can't say no to people, I ended up on the uh the platform. <laughs> At, uh, it was pre- it was pretty wild, but I mean, you know, it gives you uh, some experience doing that stuff. She it's
0: volunteered cool. for you. That was so nice of her.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I was there coaching lifters and she goes. So she's a national referee. So she goes okay. and she, she 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 judges, but she gets paid for that. And not okay. that the spotless and loaders don't get paid, but. Um, they definitely don't get as paid as much as the referees. And, uh,
0: I, I'd imagine the thing and powerlifting is a pretty thankless job because all I ever hear about the refs is people getting pissed off about getting red-lighted.
1: Yeah, I mean, they don't – like, we had to – we went to Las Vegas. I don't know, which, which collegiate – were Yeah, Las Vegas. Oh, no, I'm talking – I'm thinking of uh, in Chicago. We were in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. well, You know, we were there for an entire week, and you pretty much, you're, pre- you're in the red by the time you go home. They pay you, yes, but like, yeah. and they feed you, but you're in the red. You go there to network, and you know, yeah, maybe try to get clients, things like that. So, it's and fun. the
0: majority of your clientele, like from what I can tell, correct me if I'm wrong, it's kind of like intermediate level powerlifters.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Okay, cool. No, That's awesome. Yeah,
1: beginner, intermediate. I don't have enough clout to get the big names, you know
0: yeah man you just got to get one larry wheels and you are set
1: i know and then i'm i'm actually pretty
0: disconnected from from like powerlifting in terms of like who the really big people at the moment are is john hack still considered one of the best at the moment
1: oh yeah for sure um yeah yeah but i mean so there's obviously like a bunch of different federations and uh you know the the disparity between tested and untested and um all that stuff so like you know raw there's a
0: gray area of tested with quotation marks
1: yeah um I I feel like USAPL does a pretty good job but you know I mean people know how to beat the tests and if you know you know sure it, yeah it, and, and I've heard of like things ha- like things happening in the labs like you know it's like I don't know if you if you happen to know somebody that works in any of these labs you uh-huh. know I don't I don't want to do like speculation stuff here but Um, for the most part, USAPL does a pretty good job, but I know the other federations don't, especially because we don't even allow, we don't even do like an untested division. Like Mm -hmm. say, USA, USPA does, or, um, I don't even, I'm not as familiar with the rules of the other federations, like, uh, like RPS or APF or WRPF, but I don't even think that they necessarily have any sort of like untested intent. I think it's just like one big pool and like,
0: I always just assume it's untested when that's the case.
1: Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Cause if you are, if you are clean, why would you go to one of those meets?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just to compete against a guy that's on PEDs, it doesn't make much sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I've got no objection to people taking PEDs, but I've always oh, thought maybe. it's very chicken shit if you have like two options and they're literally giving you the option to do the untested one and you take PEDs and go into the tested one.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only problem I have is like, Just don't cheat, you know, like I have no want to do PDs and go compete in the, you know, in the untested feds. Like, cool. Have at it. But like, don't try to sneak into a tested meet Uh because, you know, it's tough. You know, it sucks, too, is like I see and I hear about some of these people. I see them at the local meets and you know that they might be doing something, you know, and it's like you're not strong to go compete against untested guys. Yeah. So therefore you stick to you stick you stay around here and try to compete against tested people to make yourself look better, which is super lame.
0: Yeah, real chicken. I I tend to think that hopefully
1: I was gonna say hopefully I just hope that those people tend to get caught before they get to a national stage. And once they get to a national stage, they're more likely to get hit anyways. So
0: yeah, they're they're fucked. What was that? There was some kind of a scandal a while ago. It was a guy who um did you see that it was a guy at a powerlifting meet who was like he had like equipped briefs or something like that hidden I'm underneath a singlet the singlet or something?
1: The, are you talking about the guy who wore the slingshot under maybe his, that like, was uh,
0: it? Yeah, yeah. Was yeah, that yeah? That
1: was um I wanna say that was IPF Worlds M- Masters Worlds in like
0: Yes. And there was that video of the guy following 21? him out of the uh, yeah he the like he chased like
1: chased him down like the yeah. guy got off the bench like this
0: <laughs> like you it's could like your ex arms like, and
1: yeah like he comes out to the thing like this and then he like gets down and he grabs the bar and he like you know and then he gets up and, and he, he did it really
0: ball. fast and he ran away he as soon really as he fast, finished the rep
1: yeah, and he off behind the curtain and then someone chased yeah. him into the bathroom or something like it was pretty wild
0: I just don't get that with powerlifting because like. There's not very much money at stake. It's not like a very prestigious sport. It's not like cheating at the Super Bowl or something like that, you no. know. And for the most part, it's really a sport where it's you versus you cuz there's only a few people who are in contention to be battling it out with somebody for like the deadlift record or something like oh, that. Yeah. So I just don't Absolutely. I don't get that mindset at all.
1: I don't get it either, man. To be honest with
0: you. <laughs> How uh, how's your own training going anyway?
1: Uh, my own training is going great, actually. Um, well, not this past week. I was sick this past week. I got a stomach bug or something, and
0: um, I saw. Yeah, you 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 let the Instagram audience give you a bit of motivation to get down there.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It felt like absolute trash, though. Um, yeah, I know that. I think besides those couple of days, though, I mean, I still, you know, you still go and you do what you can do, but um, other than that, it's going great. Nice. What
0: about do yourself? you have any? Well, my, my training's been kind of try not to lose any any more muscle and strength than is absolutely necessary when you're <laughs> dropping like 13 kilos of body weight, you know, 15 Ooh. kilos.
1: Yeah. yeah I'm, on, uh, I'm using macro factor right now. I'm not really trying to like lose too much. I'm more trying to like create a better dietary pattern because like every time I don't track, I just, I kind of just go off the rails and like, I'm not eating enough protein. I tend yeah. to like just... Overindulge with carbs, yada, yada. So every time I track, I tend to just improve my overall dietary patterns. Like I, I start eating protein at every meal. I start eating yeah. a lot more veggies, like just like getting at the data and I'm like, shit, I need to like, how can yeah. I manipulate this? To, like not have all of like fit, you know, 250 carbs left over at night, but I can't eat protein and I can barely eat any fats. So it's like, yeah. how can I more uh, evenly distribute this out throughout the day? and that usually always helps me. Um, so I'm currently doing that and I've unintentionally lost probably like, I don't know, two or three kilos. Um, which is, it's really not a bad thing. I'm kind of like almost thinking maybe I should just continue on. <laughs> like yeah. if the weight trending down, like, let's just, let's keep doing it. Um, but there's always like that thought in the back of my mind. That's like, how much strength are you going to lose? You
0: know? I know it's,
1: and it's like, as a as a big guy, it's like probably not much until I cross a certain threshold, you know? And yeah. it's like, but where I don't know where that threshold is. But I am I'm, I'm kind of assuming it's probably around hundred kilos right now. Cause I'm weighing I weigh in at like uh I was trying to average around 110. I've been weighing in consistently like 107, 108. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like another like seven kilos would be probably a significant amount of body weight to lose. And I'd probably see a dip in in some performance, even though that Like, I've never experienced it, but I've seen other people, I've coached other people that, like, their body tends to calibrate. Like, yeah, your performance is going to drop initially, and, like, you're not going to feel very good while you're training. But, like, once your body kind of adjusts to that, like, you really don't lose much. You know what I mean? Like, as long as you're still training, you're, like, still trying to train at, at, like, a similar level. It's going to suck at first, but I've seen the body just kind of calibrate or averages out over time. So, um,
0: yeah well it's, it's crazy because it, I, I set myself a, a really loose goal of initially I think I just wanted to get to like 85 kilos so I started I was 95 kilos and the reason it was a loose goal was because of what you were saying there where I basically wanted to see how much strength I would lose so it was yeah. like if I get to 85 and there's like 30 kilos gone off the bench bar then you know i'm definitely going to like Shit, put the brakes a on it there. <laughs> yeah. that would be a lot and I, I just i didn't really have any idea what to expect because i've only ever done one cut before and it was only like maybe 6 or 7 kilos and yeah. uh one thing that i've really taken away from cutting is it's taught me well number one you don't lose as much strength as you think or at least i haven't anyway and i've lost strength not the the lifts that i have struggled with haven't been the ones i've expected like (laughs) my bench and my overhead press actually are about the same and actually my overhead press is stronger now in terms of relative to my body weight than it was at the start Uh, but my deadlift has felt like absolute shit for some reason i don't know why Mm. i think it's maybe leverage is changing or something um but the That's the big thing that made, I, I
1: always think, like the energy deficit, has to play a role too, right?
0: Like, yeah, like the deadlift and a guy that I'm coaching is he's and like the deadlift really you're similar. using like
1: mu- not to cut you off, but like with the deadlift oh. you're obviously using much more musculature than you would with like the overhead press. Yeah, it's or just the bench, deadlift
0: so. day is just so fucking draining. There's just yeah. you know I can I can still hit a lot of volume on the day where I'm doing bench or overhead press, but the deadlift day. Like I did five sets That's of 10 on deadlifts yesterday. And the, the thing is like, I'm keeping the volume fairly high so that I can maintain as much muscle as possible. Mm-hmm. And just doing volume deadlifts when you're in a, a calorie deficit fucking sucks. It just it's feels volume like deadlifts
1: ever sucks. And yeah.
0: But th- this <laughs> just, just like, general. cause I, I have a bit of a theory. I'm not entirely sure how well it checks out, but I think a big reason why people get a lot weaker when they're doing a calorie deficit outside the obvious thing that they don't have the full amount of resources for for gaining is that like you know that research that shows that uh like people's uh, bodies will try to kind of like counteract a shift in homeostasis so like Mm -hmm. if you get someone who's overweight to go into a calorie deficit um usually they'll stop doing as much normal day-to-day activity. So they'll lie down more. They won't get as many steps in. They'll stop fidgeting as much. Mm -hmm. Um, This really weird thing happens to me when I'm in a calorie deficit where I'll be like doing a really hard set of squats or deadlifts, like something very energy intensive. Mm -hmm. And on like a pure like reps and reserve basis, like I know that I have the ability to do five reps more or whatever, but psychologically like this voice in my head just becomes really loud. And it's like, you don't need to do it. It's really hard just don't do it today, you know, and I feel like your brain when you're in a calorie deficit just tries to stop you expending as much energy on training. And so as a side effect, you just stop lifting as much. And maybe that's a big reason why so many people lose so much strength and and muscle when they go into a deficit, especially a a big one, like if they try to drop like five kilos in two months or something, you know.
1: No, I would totally agree with that because I've had similar experiences, and I have like velocity sort of velocity data to corroborate sure. that. So very I'm like, because I mentioned that in my story yesterday, because someone was asking me about like um, velocity with singles and like how to compare them or something. I forget the exact question, but I've noticed personally that like my subjective experience may fluctuate with given load or mm-hmm. like a a given velocity value but like the, the numbers don't lie. So like if I hit an, an, RP eight, say like squat and the velocity value is like what corresponds to my eight RPE, but it feels like a fucking 10, you know, I've had that happen to me before too, where it's like, man, mm-hmm. I know I could do two more reps, but like, I might die. <laughs> you know I mean, like, yeah. um, yeah, like I, and this has been in times where like I, I've in an, in, a, in an energy deficit, um, yeah you know and that, there might be other things playing in like your own uh uh i don't know expectations about your performance when it comes to oh i'm in this energy deficit is my performance going to be up to par how am i going to have to adjust today like all those things yeah i think influence your performance more a lot more than people think they yeah. do yeah
0: the expectations yeah. are huge cuz when i'm training with other people i have a great session even if like you know i'm i'm in a 500 calorie deficit or whatever it's the days when I'm already feeling a little bit hungry and I'm training by myself and kind of yep. have in my head. Like, maybe... It's yeah. much
1: easier. Yeah. That actually happened to me the other night. Um, You know, like when I went downstairs, like, yes, I had been sick all morning. Yes. I had only eaten maybe seven. I had a cup of noodles and a, uh, a Gatorade that day. That's all I, it's all I ate. And I went downstairs and I trained anyways. And like, I was blaming that and I was blaming that I was sick and you know, that the weights were feeling heavy and they probably would have felt heavy regardless of the environment. But like, who's to say that if I actually went to the gym and had some people around me that like, they might've felt like it would have felt a little different perhaps. I don't know because I didn't actually do that, but it's interesting to think about. And it's, I've, I'm always fascinated by how much the environment influences your performance and just like psychological arousal, things like that. Like you just amp yourself up a little bit. Like personally, it's like, and it's wild for me to have the, uh, the velocity device. Cause I just, I noticed the craziest shit. Like sometimes I'll be in the gym and I'll just be like, it, you're right. like, I'm by myself or there's only a couple yeah. of people, energy's low. And I'm like, and the bar's just moving slow. And I'm like, dude, the bar shouldn't, I'm like talking to myself, like, dude, like stop being a fucking bitch, you know, like yeah, get a yeah. bar and move it. Like you mean it, you know? And then it's like the velocity shoots up. And it's yeah. like,
0: yeah. And I think, I think velocity is a great tool for that. I think there's also a lot of value for people who train by themselves and recording their lifts as well, because that kind of checks them on like, oh, that rep felt really hard. And then they can look back on the video and see it fucking went up super easy.
1: Yep. But and then you have the the velocity data to corroborate that too. And mm -hmm. it's yeah. And you know, it works the other way too. When like the performance isn't there, it's much harder to convince yourself like just on a pure RPE basis, like where you could say, man, I know if I just hit it with a little more intent that, you know, if yeah. I add five or 10 kilos and just, you know, a little more intent, a little more aggression, like I'll move it at the the prescribed yeah. RP supposed to, right. Whereas like the velocity, you'll just kind of be like, not today, brother. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. You know, and I, but I get, I have so much more, so much, so much more like sustainable training now. Yeah, you know it's like i'm not constantly overreaching because i'm convincing myself in my rest period that i can do another 10 kilos Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Yeah.
1: that's what i really like about about the velocity is like i just focus on the values much more than the actual weight on the bar now
0: yeah yeah um something i'd actually be interested to get your take on that i've started doing and uh I've seen pretty good responses from it with clients so far. So actually, I can't take credit for this idea. It's a guy that I trained, brought it up, and it made a lot of sense to me. So I had been using pre- pretty much just exclusively reps and reserve with people as a gauge for intensity. Mm-hmm. And most people use um, RPE in the same way, where it's basically the reverse, where if you've got an eight RPE, that means you've got two reps in the tank. Uh, but... Something that uh this guy that I was training said to me that I'd never thought about before was that well like reps in reserve. I think I was having to do chin-ups. And you know the way like chin-ups, like unless you're somebody who can do fucking 20 of them, let's say you can do seven or eight in a row. The difference between doing two chin-ups and doing four is huge in terms of how hard it feels in a set. And I was saying I want every set, I want you to have two reps in the tank, or you know, relay to me how many you think you had. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, like, I I could do two more, but, like, it would be really fucking hard. And he was basically bringing up the point that, like, the problem with reps in reserve is that it doesn't take the intensity or the the load that you're using into account. So, for example, like, if you're lifting 90% of your one rep max and you have one rep in the tank... Is that the same as doing a 15 rep max and having one rep in the tank in terms of like how challenging that feels? Because it's a different percentage of the max number of reps that you can do at that weight, right? You're you're not going to be at the exact same percentage of your actual max efforts if you're at 14 out of 15 total reps versus one out of two total reps. Oh, yeah. you know? we're
1: talk- I mean, we're talking like 60, 65% versus like.
0: Totally. So Nine. then he was. So then he he said, like I kind of like the idea of adding an RPE in there because uh, he he uh, had used RPE before in a, from a running standpoint, and obviously the way they use it in running is in terms of like actual challenge, like ten being I'm gonna die. This is the most that I could possibly do, and zero is I'm sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've started doing that with people now, with online clients, where I'll assign them not on every exercise. Um, I've kind of found that some exercises almost lend themselves better to just using that RPE approach. And some basically the exercises that people wimp out on and don't like taking close to failure. I find reps and reserve are great for those. And then the ones that people, and it might be an individual thing, maybe have a tendency to go too far on RPE. I've, I've found with that kind of like 10 scale difficulty thing hmm. has, has worked really well but i mean what are your thoughts on this have you noticed that as a limitation with reps and reserve at all
1: um so my thoughts on this are that people tend to either conceptualize them differently or one just seems to make more sense to them than the other Mm. and i'm happy to let them use whichever um scale they'd like to use because yeah I just, I'd use them interchangeably. Like, I just tend to think that the R- RIR scale is an inverted version of the RPE yeah, scale. Yeah, that's and how I would like, have used In it. the literature, like, if you actually read the literature on, you know, like, that Zoros and Helms did validating the RPE scale, it was mm-hmm. RP by RIR. Yeah. So, like, that's just the way that I tend to think about it is, like, you know, one rep and reserve is RP9, two reps and reserve is RP8, all the way down. Um, mm-hmm. but I've had some people that just seem to, like, they can't, like, grasp that for some reason so it's like or maybe yeah. it's just overwhelming like the 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 thought of like using two scales it is kind of silly um yeah. I know like you and I can probably conceptualize that very easily but like if you want to use reps and reserve and you feel like that's a better um <clears throat> estimator of your performance or if you want to mm-hmm. use RPE like either way um I just tend to think they're kind of the same thing like there's still a subjective rating of proximity to failure or yeah. like how, how hard you're working right yeah. and then Maybe some people think of it more in terms of like how hard am I working on a one to ten scale versus like how far from failure am I? Cause I yeah. tend to it either way as proximity to failure. Um, I, I guess I'm, because I'm where using I'm coming, it
0: a... where I'm coming from with it is that like there'd be times where it depending on the exercise, like deadlifts, for example, there could be times where like technically, and I can see it from like looking at a video, I probably have about three or four reps in reserve on a deadlift Mm -hmm. but in terms of how hard it actually feels like I'm working relative to like the hardest I can push on a set and the most effort I can exert, it feels like an eight or an eight and a half out of 10. If you know what I mean? Like if I push those extra four reps, I would be fucking absolutely flattened, you know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, um, I have this argument with my buddies at the gym all the time about like the, um, like the 0.5 increments, Right. Like saying, like, I always joke that, like, if you call, like, if, if you call a, a, a set a 9.5 RPE, it's like, just call it a max, man. <laughs> you want to just like there. This, like inkling in the back of your mind, like, no, I could, I could, I could add five pounds to that. Yeah. Do it again, you know, or I could, have, you know what I mean? It's like, and are we kind of splitting hairs at that point anyways? Like I typically give like ranges of RPE. Like if I want you to mm-hmm. hit, like, say a, a squat single. Like I rarely put one at eight. Like I'll put like one at yeah, seven same. because I just don't yeah. want you to think that hard. And I just don't mm-hmm. think it matters, especially in the long term. Like what's the fatigue cost difference between a seven and an eight RP single. Like that's non-existent.
0: Yeah. How would you measure
1: that? Like, like, Oh my God. I actually not to like go off on a tangent, but I actually saw something the other day about like measuring um, like saliva for uh what was it um recovery yeah like to see it oh to test readiness
0: mm-hmm.
1: imagine Fucking waking hell. up and testing your saliva for like certain biomarkers to see if uh to see if you're like prepared to train today like that shit is just wild to me
0: but like uh, angus bradley made a really good post about that uh, i saw in the last few weeks about like the whole whoop band thing it's like oh. i just don't like you're you're going to hopefully train anyway like i would hope that you're not going to just not go in and train just because you got a fucking number on some yeah. some device that hasn't been properly validated for that yeah. and so like if you're going to go in and train anyway why don't you just see how it feels and warm up and then adjust the weights accordingly i just don't yeah, right? see what extra value having all of this extra data is bringing to us you know i'm
1: just going to skip the day because my whoop strap told me i should yeah. Like, man, and plus just go in and like, just do what you can do for the day, you
0: know? Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about the, the impact that that like the psychology of your expectations and whatever have on you.
1: Oh, that's huge.
0: Even if we assume like, let's say we assume that maybe there's 1% of an improvement in your training optimality to be gained by like honing in on all those little details of a saliva test and like a counter movement jumper, an RSI and your yeah. whoop band, what percentage of the rest of your training is being fucked up by thinking so much about that stuff and, and hyper fixating on how under recovered you are, you know,
1: probably a very large proportion.
0: Yeah. Cause people just I would get just into their, their heads.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's, and to go back to like why I just give RP ranges for the most part, Unless I unless I want you to take it a little heavier than an eight. I'm probably not going to write nine ten, but I might write yeah. like eight or something, you know, but I just know that hitting that number perfectly on the head, even with velocity is nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. Like I even know, like I use velocity ranges because I just know that like, even if I have this like model, mm-hmm. all, you know, this neat model that says my RP eight single moves at 0.23 meter, uh, 0.32 meters per second. You know how hard yeah. it is to actually hit that single around yeah. 90% at 0.2? Like, you might hit it at 0.33 three or 0.30. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, you just have to go in with, like, the mindset of, like, is this good enough for today? You mm-hmm. know, am I, am I working hard enough? You know, am I close enough to fail? Or whatever the, based on the prescription is. Um, yeah. But I, I don't tend to think, like, overthinking the, the proximity to failure or the effort is super helpful in the long term you know what i mean it's like just show yeah. up you your training it's cool to have like the velocity or use the rpe or use whatever you know little tools that you have to help you you know guide the process along but like don't hyper fix yeah. it stuff which is i mean that's just yeah
0: important. i mean there's just so many people that i know and i've coached and they're, they're usually it's usually most dangerous, I think, for the beginners who oh. haven't haven't even established the habit of going in and training hard a few times a week, and are getting caught up in the weeds of like, how do I optimize my recovery? How do I get organic meats into my diet? How do I, you know, hit your, ha- hit
1: your protein and go ice baths protein. and foam
0: rolling? And it's like, man, you're not even doing the stuff that's going to make up eighty percent of you're your not gains. Even
1: doing the bare minimum. Yeah. You're you know, literally it's, not even doing the bare minimum. Like come on. Like let's hit those markers first and then we can talk about a little more optimization stuff.
0: Yeah. The yeah the the biohacking thing just uh, oh, it God. really I know you've been
1: po- you've been posting about that a lot lately.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's Which, great uh, for engagement uh, most honestly. Those people are
1: insane, too, man. Trust me. And like it's it's just wild cuz I had um so I keep in touch with a few of my old clients from when I was doing like gym pop personal training in person. Mm-hmm um and one reached out to me last week to wish me a happy birthday and he like he's he's funny he lives in Columbia now
0: oh your birthday is pretty close to mine it was mine yesterday
1: oh happy belated man and um, to you thank you and uh he reached out to me and sent me a huberman post and he was like happy birthday mm-hmm. man like and he doesn't like follow me like that like he doesn't have an instagram oh, he wasn't or...
0: sending this to you ironically he was no. like, so this was, like this was
1: through <laughs> facebook this is through yeah. facebook and he was like hey you like have you ever heard of this dude like he's great like yeah. and it's funny because knowing about like my former client like he's such an optimization bro like he oh, would okay do yeah all of the things
0: mm-hmm. that he
1: tells him like he probably does a lot of these biohacking things
0: mm-hmm. and like
1: i know that people will do them and then like it, it's almost like this retrospective um like confirmation bias where they're like, well, I, you know, I feel so much better now. And it's like, dude, you literally feel the same as you like, I would just guarantee that you just feel the same. It's just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like your, your perception, or something is like driving this thought process that you have improved something or other, but it's like, you haven't, you know, it's like, yeah. I,
0: I also have a theory that like these guys get people into like a wellness buzz mindset. And so even though, they're harping on loads about like make sure first thing when you get up in the morning you tan your butthole and get you know your fucking coffee enema in or whatever i feel like people because they're in that like super healthy mindset just like subconsciously start eating a little bit more fruits and vegetables and walking a bit more but they attribute all of that i'm feeling better stuff to the crazy shit that hooked them in That's and exactly it be, you what know? That. Yes. It's
1: yeah. like um people who do like the keto diet, right? And they'll yeah. see like um improvements in their like blood markers or something. And it's mm-hmm. like, that would have happened if you did any diet. Yeah. Right? Because like you lost weight, you started eating more vegetables, mm-hmm. and you cut out a lot of probably like the high, highly processed sugary stuff that you eat. And you saw some improvements in your health, like congratulations. But it doesn't mean that the diet, yeah. the specific diet that you did is like uniquely beneficial, you
0: know what I mean? Yeah, uh, the psychology of that for why people fight back against that, uh, uh that speculation I, is really I interesting, it
1: was crazy, dude. Like, people will just like attach themselves to these, uh, but I wonder advocates. if it's
0: because, I wonder if it's because maybe, um, it, that like if they accepted that it was just basic stuff that they could have done any which way without following this specific method they would then have to accept that they could have actually done all that stuff and gotten the improvements years ago if they would have just focused on us you know
1: just admit that you were wrong and, and yeah a adjust course with no way man we can't is do it that. like that's kind of like that
0: <laughs> sunken cost fallacy thing like yeah. I just I need to believe that all of the stupid shit that I was doing before was just, you know, leading me down the path to eventually finding Huberman or Dr. Rhonda Patrick or somebody, you know, but oh. really, you just kind of found somebody who you were engaged with enough to actually start taking some amount of health advice that was just somewhere in the right direction enough that you actually started fucking exercising it and eating vegetables
1: it actually did something. Yeah. And then tribute that to like, the specific thing or the person mm-hmm. Or the method or whatever
0: yeah i think that works in lots of different domains like uh oh
1: i've
0: i've started growing my business a lot more recently and i think a lot of it is because for years i i uh associated anything to do with like sales or marketing or anything like that with like just these really seedy seeming guys on social media who'd be like some guy standing on a yacht he probably doesn't even own talking rubbish but they actually probably had some advice that would have pushed me somewhere in the right direction because i was doing no business stuff whatsoever and then in the last while i've actually found some people who i believe have better information but the honest truth is i just resonate with them more and i'm willing to implement some of the stuff that i've seen them sharing and it actually just got me started doing some amount of businessy stuff every week you know
1: yeah that's something I certainly struggle with, too, because I see it literally the same exact way, you know, yeah. it's like, and sometimes I see, you know, good coaches out there, like doing uh, respectable marketing, and I still mm-hmm. kind of have this feeling yeah. in the back of my gut that I'm like, oh, that's, you yeah. know, but then I don't do any marketing, and I don't do yeah. any business, and so like that ends up hurting me in the long run. Mm -hmm. and it's like man you need to find out like find a way that you can be you know you can sell yourself and you can but do it like in a respectable way that isn't well
0: the meme page is a good conduit for that because i'm sure a lot of people get sucked in and see your memes and then they say oh this guy does coaching as well then you know
1: it doesn't work out as well as well as you think it would or as well as i'd like it to um I think being interesting cuz complex-
0: it doesn't for me but I like it's hard I, for I me to like speculate is- for people with bigger followings cuz I've only feel- got like 5000 people.
1: Fair. I feel like um I don't know, I I sort of feel like I have created too much controversy or I'm like people are unsure of me at this point. Like they're like is he going to make fun of me cuz I want a foam roll or like any kind of <laughs> you think aggressive and like i don't know man you know it's like to I be honest
0: like, i th- i think a lot of the stuff I like with i come uh, off
1: like standoffish and like don't fucking talk to me i you actually i don't
0: i don't think that that's true or 100 fair because i think it's more about so, something I've started trying to do more with my page, or will be making more of a concerted effort to do, is to actually insert myself into it more. And I think I've seen you do that a little bit more because for years I actually didn't know who you were at all. I think I started following your page during lockdown and um, you were like anonymous for a while, right? Yeah. Um, not, in-
1: not intentionally, just I like when I started it, it was just like
0: you were just doing memes for fun and it just, just kind memes of grew. For fun. Yeah, yeah. then it kind of
1: blew up and it was like. Yeah. It wasn't like intentionally anonymous. It was mm-hmm. just like I just I had the uh, Doctor Evil profile photo. It's always been there, and I didn't yeah. really I didn't post anything but memes, you know. So it yeah, was yeah.
0: Like... So and it was
1: kind of fun to play mysterious the mysterious game for a little while.
0: Yeah, I think I remember you saying this last time. Were people like speculating that it was yeah, that like... was like
1: uh, like Jordan Fagabomb from BBM and like... yeah, yeah. People were yeah, they thought I was like, which probably boosted my ego a little too much. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It I would be probably, hard then to go from that to then having to reveal that you're not Jordan Fegabom like, or no, Greg no, not, Nichols yeah, right? or something. <laughs> it's like,
1: well, <laughs> well I got to bring myself yeah. down so many pegs. You know what I mean?
0: But oh. I think now this is just my take on it. But because I struggle with this, is I don't get clients from the the meme page at all. I get clients from referrals from the people that I train, mm-hmm. or the email subscriber list that I have, mm-hmm. or things like that. My take on it is, and I kind of got this sense because I listened to a podcast with a guy who runs one of the really big meme pages that's kind of like powerlifting-centric memes. And I think he got asked by the presenters about this himself. And he didn't like fully go into it, but it, it sounded like he doesn't really guess any clients at all from the meme page. And this guy has like tens and tens of thousands of people following him. And I think the problem with the memes what i found anyway is that if all i posted was memes and i would put up anything that wasn't a meme i would immediately lose uh like a certain amount of followers not a lot but like maybe say like 50 or something like that
1: You're like i'm not um, here for that
0: yeah exactly so i think the problem is that when you have a meme page and somebody comes on to that so they usually the way they find it is somebody sends them a funny meme They're like, yeah, that was pretty good. I wonder if there's any other good memes on there. So they go in and then what they see at first glance is going to be basically what they make their decision on in terms of if they're going to hit follow or not. And so when they look at the page and all they see is memes, their expectation is I'm going to follow this because I want to see more funny memes. (laughs) But if they come onto the page and they see like some training advice and something about the person who runs the page as like a coach or who they are as a person or whatever. Now they have a different decision to make like, Oh, am I going to follow this person for training content and a bit of memes or just for memes? Cause I noticed like, um, do you know, Kier when I'm flat? He's rug- he was rugby strength coach before.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I'd really recommend following him. He's great. And he's got really good uh, business advice as well. But he kind of like built his platform as like a strength and conditioning coach. But he used memes to to build a huge amount of his Instagram following. But like people love his memes, but the memes are only like one part of his page. And the memes are kind of like the the conduit towards showing people like the value stuff of like, here's how I can actually help you. You know, he runs... Um, uh this thing called strength coach network which is a really cool idea actually it's like a strength and conditioning networking but also uh like value-based site where you know okay. really good coaches come on and do like video lectures or they do podcasts and things like that they'll have like you know a whole lecture from someone who's like an expert in like hamstring injuries and in rugby or something oh, cool. like that that's awesome um, but i think I might be wrong because I haven't pulled this off yet, but like that's something that I'm going to be doing a lot more with my meme page is kind of trying to let the people who just want memes, like if they don't want to follow, that's fine. But, you know, I don't want to be a professional memer. And it takes more time than people realize to like come up with a meme that's not going to be shit. Even though like the little fucking mematic thing is very, you know, very easy. You can put together a great meme in five minutes, but like, Sometimes you need to actually think about like, does this actually, you know, work the way that I think it does in my head? You know, I'm sure yeah. we both put up things before where like it didn't come out this the way it just us.
1: happened to me this morning, man. Already? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I um no one's gonna see this. So I used to no or no one's gonna see this that I would be talking about here. Um, so I used to work for this gym and uh it was the way it was so he would buy. Well, not buy, but he had, you know, regular standard 45 pound, 20 kg bars. And then mm-hmm. he had Bella bars and that's fine. Right. But he would always just assume. all. Oh, I did need-
0: see this. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It was about like women. So he would using just always Bella assume bars
1: all bars. the women would need a Bella bar. Right. So like we did small group training and he would always what, set up.
0: What is a Bella bar? Sorry. Is it just a 15 a, kilo weightlifting a, bar? Or? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's a women's bar okay um which is a you know fine if you prefer a smaller bar a smaller diameter you're an olympic weightlifter Mm -hmm. um my gripe with it was like he would always set up the like stations right like you would have like Mm -hmm. your own station and if he if it was a woman client coming in he would put the bella bar there you know regardless of their if they had a strength level it was just well it's a woman they get the bella bar and uh So I was watching, I still follow the page and I was watching the story and he, you know, and he, I see one of the clients who I actually used to work with, you know, using the bell bar and it's not like it's a bad thing, you know, Mm -hmm. but I was just like, man, like, I just thought of the concept of it, like in him, just like putting the bell bar there and like, no, you know, and it was like, so I made the stupid meme, like, you know just implying that like you don't have to assume that a woman needs to use a uh, a woman's bar right like if they can just use the standard bar it's not a big deal yeah and i got people jump down my throat over it you know oh really like, yeah because they they don't have the context that i had yeah. they they started like giving me all these weightlifting examples i'm like i don't when have i ever talked about only lifting on this page ever you know yeah, it's like yeah I feel like there's a, I have, there's like this handful of people on my page that like, I feel like they just, they just like idle in the background and they just like wait for me to post something. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: yeah, yeah. He wants oh, so it's funny. Can, like, so like
1: be the be like, Joe ah! Rogan,
0: the Joe Rogan things that I put up there, like some of the people I, yeah, I, like I want, I,
1: they're like such haters that they're just, that's the only reason they follow you and they're just waiting for you to this post. This is what I found so funny. Yeah.
0: Like, it. There was people who were going crazy, and then I looked at their profile and it said that they followed me. And like I, I wanted like I, I really had to like bite. You almost my want tongue to DM and... them and
1: be like, bro, what's up with you?
0: I just I just had to really because something I, I am quite happy about that I've managed to do since starting doing the memes and stuff like that, and especially like some of the spicier ones, which it seems to be like anything to do with Joe Rogan basically just explodes. Oh my God um god like some people just have that guy's dick so far down their throat it's crazy but uh the the thing that i've really had to work on is not jumping into the comments and not getting kind of like being able to gauge like what's going to be an argument in bad faith that's just a waste of time and what's like something that's worth letting people see that i actually do care about like giving a nuanced take like if somebody leaves a comment being like oh, I think this is unfair because of this reason or whatever. I don't want to just leave that there and let people think that I don't care about that sort of stuff. But, you know, when somebody comes in being like, oh, you think because you've got a master's degree that you're qualified to critique literal PhDs, and it's just like, I'm, I'm not going to get into this with somebody who's going to move the goalposts all the time. And,
1: that's clearly in bad faith. Like yeah, they're, they're just... insulting you.
0: Yeah, there's no... There's no winners <laughs> there, and all that's going to happen is I'm going to get annoyed, and it's a waste of time, really. um yeah. But sorry, I can't even remember how I got onto that. What were you talking about specifically? Uh, it was about the, the, meet
1: my meme from. Oh morning. yeah,
0: like I'm sure you do have people who like you would think that they hate you, but they follow your page because they're addicted to arguing with people on the internet, and they're just waiting for a chance that's for a you to post to something.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're addicted I mean, to arguing with people. No, that's good. Cause like, I assume that like, you know, oh, they're just a hater, but I guess that makes them yeah. hate I just want to sit there and argue. But yeah, I, uh I deal with that all the time. And I, I've gotten better, but there's times where like, I just, and I kind of like get annoyed and I, I get a little yeah. triggered. We all get a little triggered and it's we okay. We all
0: get triggered over stuff. I've gotten yeah. hella triggered before over things.
1: <laughs> and sometimes I engage. Usually I'm yeah. pretty good about it. Yeah. Usually I can like engage in a sarcastic way where it's like, I'm just not going to make this. I'm not going to make a serious thing about this. And like, uh-huh. you know, I kind of like make a joke of it, especially if it's like some insulting thing. I mm-hmm. either will just plain out, ignore it. Or like, if I see like an opening where I can like be funny here and like kind of downplay yeah. the comment, I'll try that. But like, sometimes I see the shit and I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? People? Yeah. you know I mean, and you know, uh, what
0: works really well. Two things I found work really well. Uh, the first one is if you actually thank them because regardless of how annoying their comment is and as far as the algorithms concerned it's actually helping our posts yeah. when they the more that they comment the more that it gets pushed into mm-hmm. people's yeah. news feeds uh so they don't like that cuz they don't like to think that they're helping us uh, and the second thing that they really don't like is when you actually meme them then now i don't do this too much i did it i i when do I that first started making memes because I was so fresh to it, but sometimes I've kind of felt like it kind of borders on bullying, but if it's some guy with a fucking, yeah. Yeah. But if it's, but some guy who's like acting internet hard man, gladiator in the comments, and he's got an anonymous profile with no followers and throwing out all these really nasty things that I know they'd never have the balls to say in person. Then I think it's pretty fair to meme that person and shame them a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. (laughs) I ran into that, uh, si- that very situation the other night. Um, there was this dude who had like, you know, three followers, private account, no profile photo. And he mm-hmm. knew my name.
0: They're so brave he was They're in so brave. my DMs.
1: And he was calling me Mark Daugherty and he was calling me like a, you know, he was calling me a groomer and like all Jesus this Christ. political shit. Yeah. Um, and people are just like, so it's I kind of brought it on myself if I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> I uh someone shared there was a um some page reviewed some paper that looked at trans athletes, okay and now, I don't really know enough about this science to really comment on it, but mm. I just don't really like the anti trans rhetoric because well a
0: lot a lot of it is definitely like.
1: It's just hardcore right wing bro bullshit, and it's like yeah, I I just just... don't like it. And it's, I know people who are trans. There's people at the i there's people that train at my gym who are trans, and they're cool fucking people. You know, Mm -hmm. like do I understand that? No, but like, am I going to respect them and let them live their lives and not look down upon them? Absolutely. Am I going to encourage them to train and get stronger and like come Mm -hmm. to the gym do their thing? Fuck yes, I am. And it just like really irks me. When I see like other people come in and just like start bashing these people, it's like, yeah, how does that affect your life? Like, I understand that there's like this big argument in sport, and I'm not trying to get into all that. Um, but like they're human beings, man, you know, like, so like, I, my dumb ass with these beliefs goes into this
0: comment section. (laughs) always goes well the trans always arguments on the well. internet always just, like, go well i don't
1: know i just kind of fired back a few stupid things of people like i and i shouldn't have done that and then i have this kid in my dm going imagine being mark doherty you're like this you're a fucking groomer and you're and it's like buddy how do you know my name and like i guarantee you wouldn't say like first of all it, it, it because if you're some hardcore right wing lifting bro You won't have Mm -hmm. a private account. You're going to show how fucking manly you are. Yeah. That's a fact. So I know already that you're probably some little fucking scrub in your mom's basement because you're Mm -hmm. hiding behind a private account. So don't start acting like a fucking tough guy. Like you're going to like, if we ever came face to face, you're going to call me a groomer because I'd probably slap the fucking shit out of you. And like, let's just not go there, you know? And like, I Mm. have a short views and I have a little bit of a temper and like, that shit just bothers the fuck out of me. (laughs) And like... I ended up having, I blocked him because you could already see me like already getting hot thinking about it. So I'm like, dude, like just like, why do you people even exist? Like it just really fucking bothers me. Um, well, I don't know, I've... Lib- liberal <laughs> use of
0: the block, liberal use of the block button is a great feature of oh. social media apps. You know, no. um, and I think <laughs> I need like to on... use it
1: even more liberally than I already do.
0: Yeah. I, I think that the, the big giveaway that's, you know, those people are arguing about topics like that and bad faith is that you know you you clearly know they've never given a shit about the equality of the way that women's sports is structured up until now or about women's sports in general. Yeah. And as soon as now you
1: care. Now you care. Now you
0: become the advocate for women's sports (laughs) and making sure that they're getting a fair shake. Yeah. You know
1: exactly. Like that's my
0: there are sure. people out there who need to have that discussion and figure out how it's all going to work but it's not me and i i, I mean... don't yeah it's it's not for me to decide or or have like a major voice in the conversation about will they'll, they'll figure out something eventually but yeah there's just so many of these people it's just you know it's it's like the um it's like the way people you see people act like this, even if you're driving, you know, people have a totally different way and persona that they'll adopt with how they treat other people when you're in a car and they get road rage because it's like there's this degree of an anonymity and your own little bubble and you're not really interacting with somebody. And it's like sites like or apps like Instagram and Twitter are like an amplification of that where you could be totally awesome. removed from ever having to have any accountability for what you say to people. Yep. And I just assume that the people who who spit the most vitriol um, must just have fucking nothing going on in their lives.
1: I know. Like, how can you just be that hateful? Like, yeah, it's just it's hard for me to really like wrap my head around like. Someone just like, like being that way you know like they just exist to spit vitriol on the internet like it's like you literally have a troll account just to do this like Mm -hmm. how sad and pathetic are you like it's just wild to me you know
0: i think it's one of the really hard things about uh navigating social media as like a business or using it for business like just not getting sucked into like the day-to-day little petty squabbles that people yep. try to have about things—it's very hard to go on there and just like do what you need to do, put up your post or whatever, or DM the person that you need to, and and avoid all of the crazy shit that goes on on there.
1: Oh yeah. Plus, I always feel like, for me personally, it's not really my style to like hold my tongue about stuff that I'm I believe in or I'm passionate about. You know, it's yeah. It's something that's certainly got me in trouble before. Um, <laughs> you know, there was a.
0: But I mean, but, like, it's your brand to a certain extent in that, like,
1: yeah, I'm sure that's why a huge that, percentage of people, me, you know, it's like the way I kind of look at it is like, does it hurt me or does it actually bring people into the fold that I would rather have in my circle? I mean, really? I,
0: I would go towards the, the, the ladder there, because the thing is, like, on the Internet, especially in the fitness space, it's so saturated and so noisy that mm-hmm. if you don't very clearly stand for a set of specific things then you just get lost in in the sea of stuff and if you just kind of have moderate takes on everything you just you're going to get beaten by people who have phenomenal funding for production quality and stuff like that like i wish that i could just go on social media and just put up good solid information about like why you should be doing resistance training and why you should be doing squats and you should eat a little bit of protein. But the problem is that like there's already thousands of people who are doing that. And I feel like the stuff that you make memes about or that I make memes about, even though there's already like a kind of growing number of people talking about that in the space, it's still realistically very niche for people to say bash the functional training stuff or call out the andrew huberman's of the world for talking like absolute bullshit it's easy to forget that we live in a bubble where like that's just the norm like that guy who messaged you it's just like this guy's an expert why aren't you following them you're a personal trainer you're a coach (laughs) 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 you know so like when i went onto your page for the first time i was actually like blown away because there wasn't anybody who was taking a hard enough stance against that stuff. There was a lot of, I feel like in some ways the really big pages in the evidence-based space are kind of handicapped by that because they've gotten big enough that maybe they feel like they don't want to kind of be too outspoken and piss people off about stuff that maybe they'd be happy enough to talk about how stupid some guy is and how ridiculous the things they're posting are in private, but they don't want to get sucked into that rhetoric online, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, And to be honest, like, even myself, I've been trying to get away with that because I I started that way and it was great. Um, I'm just, I don't know, like, I don't really want to deal with it anymore either, to be honest. I, I'm trying to find some balance, though. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to just be another fitness page on the internet, you know? Um, yeah but I also don't, I don't, I don't want to come across as like this harsh person who's like constantly calling people stupid either. Cause I don't think that makes me good. You know,
0: I think there's definitely, there's definitely a balance that can be struck. And I've definitely overstepped the mark a good few times of going after the person too much as opposed to the idea. I do think that For some really bad ideas, though, you do have to mention the person. And the reason why is not only because they don't deserve to just, like, never get critiqued. But I I wonder if you've noticed this as well, that, like, people really struggle to grasp, like, uh, how to filter information until they're given a real world example. So, like, I can't count the amount of times that... I've had somebody following me agreeing with all the stuff that I'm posting and then send me a guy guy's page being like, you gotta be following this guy. He's got such good information or like, what do you think about this take? And it'd be something absolutely batshit insane that like just has no basis in any logic or evidence. And I'm like, only last week you were telling me how great it was to be, like evidence-based and like how you should be on the lookout for people who are coming with these like real black and white narratives on things like this guy is doing exactly this and he's like no this guy's different you know and it's like people's brains just shut off when somebody seems charismatic enough and it's like until you really address no like this exact person is doing exactly what i'm talking about it's very hard to get through to some people because like that's kind of like the Joe Rogan pushback thing that I guess I lose followers every, every time that I post about him and I'm always amazed. And I'm like, why were you guys following me to begin with? Why would you have possibly thought that I would endorse any of the people who go on the Joe Rogan podcast?
1: Yeah. And then if I, you know, if I challenge any of the things that they say, you unfollow me immediately. Like that's so odd to me, you know, it's like, did you take any of the things that I was saying seriously at all? Like up until this point, you know, for, For you to get that triggered and unfollow me over, you know, kind of challenging a Joe Rogan take, like that's strange. Yeah,
0: it's like, I don't know, like people just don't understand how the principles of knowledge acquisition work in in real life until they get given like a proper example, you know?
1: Well, like uh, a good example yesterday is I was uh, getting some questions about VBT on my story is on my personal account. And someone asked me, can you just starting strength the VBT velocity loss stuff for me? Like, (laughs) like put it in a neat package. Like, day one, do this. Day two, do this. Day three, do this. Day four, do this. And I was like, I've just, like, thoroughly explained a lot of this stuff. More Mm -hmm. in principle, more in concept. But, like, you should be able to take that and just think, oh, I can apply that this way. Yeah. You know, because like when I take in information, like that's how I think of it. I'm not like, oh, I need the specific method. Mm-hmm. You know, like I did. Um, I uh, Mike Tashir did a webinar on emerging strategies last week that I took. And it I saw like,
0: you post about that. Yeah. And I really yeah, liked was, this stuff.
1: It was really great. So it was like emerging strategies and five easy steps. And sure. it was just the very basic principles. And someone who was in the um, attended the webinar with me, DM me after, and they Mm -hmm. were like, I'm in a lot of trouble, like applying like this specific thing that he said to apply. And I'm like, I don't really think you have to do it in the specific manner that he said, you know, it's like, just take the the idea, the concept, the principle of it and apply it in a, in a, in a, whatever way you want to, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, don't have to do The the highly specific things or the like his method of it right, but you can take the concept and apply it in your own way. You know it's like I don't know like that's kind of how my brain works, So when I take in information it's like how can I apply this like how can I. Take in training information that I didn't previously understand and then uh, and then formulate it in my own way, you know it's like if um, you could read like any of the like. um, Science of Practice or Strength Training, right? And they have mm-hmm. like, or, uh, tutor God bump. help
0: you if you try to read that fucking book.
1: Or like, Tudor Bomp is periodization. You could use any, any example, right? That has like yeah. program samples in it. Yeah. And it's like, here's the principles, here's the program sample. And people will try to run like this block periodization from the book. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's not, I don't like, I never read those books and was like, I'm going to do this exact program. I was like, these are great. Now I understand the principles. Let me go formulate my own programming. Yeah, like that's always been my thought process. Like when I first started, it's a little different. Yeah, you, like you follow the things, but it, it, it's more I feel it's more so about learning the rules. Like when you learn sure. the rules, you know how to break them. Right? Yeah. So you have to follow the specific program in the book. You just need to understand the principles and, you know, or understand the rules rather. And then you mm-hmm. could just formulate them and break the rules here and there, however you see fit. Um. What, what i've kind of what was <laughs> to circle back what the hell were we talking about
0: uh i think that we were talking about something to do oh we were talking about just how people will you know like say for instance oh, the, like me- the like they, you put so on your page on the, yeah yeah well they uh-huh. kind of struggle they they, they struggle to apply the principles that you're talking about to a real life scenario and actually, Until think they actually... critically about something that they haven't been presented with before. Because I think when I first started coaching people, uh, one thing that I really struggled with was kind of like allowing myself to put too much value in other people's bullshit kind of stories that they had made up about things. So like people love to think that. They have really unique problems that kind of like bump the trends of like just like good basic program design so like somebody will will come in and make out that like they have this really unique joint pain or something like that that they've tried everything for and you know like it just won't they won't think that they could just go lighter on an exercise and build up or like I'm trying to think of a good example like people will I, ha- I had a guy one time who did uh, a consult with me this is a good example actually and uh, he just wanted me to go through his program with him and you know I post a lot probably one of the biggest things that I probably post about when it comes to programming is simplicity mm-hmm. and simplicity and and having goals and making sure that the the goals are prioritized within the program because we both know you can't be great at everything at once. So he showed me his program and I'm going to say there was like 30 different exercises in the program. And he was deliberately trying to progressively overload all of them at once, all with the same amount of like importance. And there was this other crazy thing in there where like he was trying to do um, like, two extra days of like just doing shit loads of arms like 10 sets of 10 on arms or something like that to bring his arms up and i was trying to relay like this idea that you know you not only can you not get good at all this stuff at the same time but you don't have to get good at everything all at once because realistically you're still in like the beginner stages of training if you just got good at a few real key things all of this stuff would get touched on to a certain degree And then if you get to the point where like, you're kind of strong, kind of jacked, and you're like, oh, my arms are really underdeveloped, then yeah, you could just kind of focus on arm accessories for a while, you know, and he just couldn't register that like, no, but I need, I want to work on all this stuff. And I want my front squat to go up and my back squats, and I want to work on getting my, my lunges up and just, you would think this the principal part of it would have, would have sunk in, but people really struggle with applying principles to a real world scenario that they, they have to actually like critically think about. Yeah.
1: No, I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. No, I totally agree with you. Um, and I run into similar scenarios all the time. Um, I actually got on a call last week with a friend who, uh, I don't care. I'm good friends with him and I'll talk shit about him a little bit. I don't care, even if he listens to this. Um, but he was struggling with some hip pain, and you know, he writes his own programming and stuff. And mm-hmm. we were actually, we did like a lot of the conjugate stuff together, and then we mm-hmm. both came away from it. And he still struggles with some of the ideas, like of the like he still sh- not struggles, but more so like is inclined to use some of these methods. Rather than like the principles behind them, it's like, I have to do XYZ, you know? And it's like, and I was like, man, you don't. You actually don't have to do any of those things. You Mm -hmm. you know, it was like, uh, well, I got to do like high bar wide stance squat to target my hips. And I was like, no. Mm -hmm. I said, if you want your hips to work a little more in the squat, just squat deeper. Just flex your hips, right? Like, you don't have to like put your stance really wide and like sit back and do this hingy squat. Like, you're, you know your adductors your glutes like they're all going to get worked as long as you just squat to depth and right. i said put your feet wherever you feel comfortable you don't have to have wide you don't have to just put them where you feel comfortable Put the bar where it feels comfortable and just lift
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh you know he messaged me the next day and he's like dude left lifting went great thank you so much but i still saw some of that west side bullshit in his program <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like come on man like i told you to let that shit go you know what i mean and uh but, that's
0: yeah. interesting because i think that something that i wrestle with a lot is how much how much credence to give that whole kind of leaf system aspect of training and that like if somebody comes in and they want to do something that i don't think is a great way of going about things but i know will be maybe 70 80 percent of the way there would i be doing them a disservice if I get them not to do that and do something that they don't believe in as strongly, or Mm. would it be better for me to just have them do the thing that they're really motivated about doing and try to bleed as much out of that as possible. Now, if I'm being totally honest, most of the time, like if they want to do something, that's a radical departure from my coaching philosophy or like what I kind of advocate for, I'm mm-hmm. probably just going to put my foot down and say, no, come on, this is dumb. But, yeah. you know, it, it's interesting. I think that's kind of like the next big frontier in terms of sports science is like figuring out how to manipulate that placebo effect in an ethical way that can really boost people's performance.
1: Yeah. Um, I've softened my stance on that a lot over the years where like yeah, when people would, you know, when I had lifters who would like, can I try this? Can I try that? And I, if I didn't, li- it, no, like... My, it's mm-hmm. kind of almost my way or the highway, like I'm coach, I know, you yeah. know, and then you start to realize that that's all bullshit, you yeah. know, and you because I've worked with so many people who I've, you know, I've lost clients over that those are mistakes I've made as a coach in the past, mm-hmm. trying to make people do you know, you can't wear your heels, you have to wear flats, you know, you can't do this close stance, you have to do a wide stance, you yeah. can't drive your knees forward, you have to sit your hips back. Things like that. Like, I would say that shit all the time when I first started coaching powerlifting, especially. Um, And it's just now it's like, if I have a lifter that comes to me and they're like, hey, can we try this thing? I'm like, sure. As long as like you said, it's not so far off the reservation where you're like, yeah, we're not doing that. But it's like, and for most of the time, it's like an accessory movement or like Mm -hmm. I want to do an AMRAP with this weight or and like, who the fuck am I to say no? Yeah, you know, I just I just say okay. Well, how can I manipulate the training volume and yada yada to a to to sort of and I don't love the word optimize, but like optimize yeah. your cycle for the week. Where like biohack
0: I can, is the word you're looking for. <laughs> but it's like you
1: know, I I am working with people who are I wouldn't not training at like a high level, but they're pushing themselves consistently. Like I don't have that issue where people are not pushing themselves. Like mm-hmm. I oftentimes have to pull people a little back and. So like I'm more so like I am managing stress day to day, like that's more my job. Um, so like how can I manipulate those variables in a way that allow you to like okay you want to push a fucking AMRAP on bench this week like okay yeah well, you drop the stress this day I'm gonna you can push this day I'm gonna drop the stress here yeah because ultimately in the long term it's not it even gonna so. take away from anything yeah. and it yeah, might help.
0: Just... Yeah, might help. Who knows? And... You
1: know, if they be- it's like you know, and that's that was going to be my uh, addition to that. Is like, if you truly believe that this is going to help you, maybe it does. And who am I to say that it won't?
0: Yeah, and so, especially if, if there's, it, yeah, I think especially if there is a a, a plausible chance yes. that it could help you towards your goal. I think it's different if somebody comes in and is like, um. I don't know. I I want to deadlift triple body weight, but I only want to do squats. You know, I don't want to train deadlifts. Well, like, no, you're not going to placebo your way to a triple body weight deadlift by doing that. But, yeah, definitely. One thing that I definitely made me realize that I've also softened my stance on this over time is like a, a friend of mine who I met up with recently. Um, she had been doing personal training with a guy, and or it was uh, online coaching actually, and mm-hmm. she wouldn't like be big into strength training. She was kind of doing it because she knew that it was good for her health, and um, she hurt her back deadlifting in one of the sessions. Anyway, and you know, to you or me, knowing a lot more about the complexity of of pain and how like. You know, deadlifts are fine, basically, you know, like it could happen on lots of different exercises and it was probably the load or maybe she was tired on the day, but to her it was a big deal. And she was really freaked out about, you know, how sore her back was for a few days. And I think um, it lasted for a while. And she was saying that she stopped training with the coach because basically she told him that she didn't want to do deadlifts anymore. And he just kept on reassuring her and like putting it back in the program and doing you know smart stuff and that he wasn't making it really heavy or yeah, whatever but she just said look i just don't want to do deadlifts anymore and he just kept on ignoring it basically and yeah, eventually like... she was like I, I just stopped training with him because i would have been happy to stay with him but he just wasn't listening to what i wanted and i thought about it and i was like damn that is i was 100 that guy like five years ago you know yep. and i thought about it and i was like she doesn't need to do deadlifts like nope I could have got her doing back raises or yeah, just any other exercise that trains yeah. her back that she wouldn't have associated with that fear and she would have been absolutely fine, you know. Yep. And yep. there might have been a day where she got strong enough on those a year or two years later where she's like, fuck it, I want to try deadlifts again, you know. But like, it's so hard, I think, when you first... Start to form like a really strong idea about like how you want people to be training to detach yourself from that when somebody comes along and doesn't give a fuck about that, because why should they they just want to get to their goal, you know.
1: Yeah, especially if the training is not reflective of their goals at all but like you find ways to relate it. Yeah, they just want to be stronger so they have to do deadlifts. Yeah. You know, it's like they could literally do any exercise, especially if mm-hmm. they're not like they don't have a specific goal or they're not like a competitive lifter. It's like mm-hmm. you don't really have to do anything that you don't want to You don't have to yeah. squat, you don't have to do bench press, like you yeah. could do push-ups and lunges. Mm-hmm. Like step you could do step ups, yeah, and, and dumbbell and overhead press. Like you could do really anything you want to do, and it's gonna have um an effect on your on your overall health in the long term. So like yeah who cares you know that's kind of where I'm at with that stuff now especially if you don't have any specific goals towards like you know I want to improve my 1RM in this lift or a 5R or whatever you know I want to prove my strength yeah um I yeah I mean I've I think we've all made those mistakes
0: (laughs) yeah it's so funny because like you never really you never think it at the time. Obviously, you always oh, no. you always assume you're doing the best job that well, you. Well, and can they're also
1: be. paying you for your expertise, right? So, like, yeah, your stance is that it's well, this is what I think is the best thing, the best course mm-hmm. of action. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's hard to really check yourself in those moments sometimes. Yeah, and I, think- I mean, I even I even still find myself doing that sometimes now. When yeah. you know it's like no 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 shh, shut up like be quiet back there you know like just. Let them talk if they want to, you know, let yeah. them explore. like let them explore a little more. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, who the fuck am I to limit them and hold them back from things or tell them they can't do X, Y or Z? It's like, you know, let's let's try it and see what happens. You know? I, I and think I've the actually, really like my rapport with everybody has improved so much from like just just shift, just softening my stance on like, I don't want you to do what I don't want you to do to like, mm. let's try it. Yeah, you know,
0: I, I think. A huge thing that I did this year that really opened my eyes to that was I gave all of my clients uh, like a New Year's goals sheath to set out. Nice. And it was just a series of like basically why questions, just breaking down like what is it you really want to do? Why do you want to do that? What is that specifically going to look like? And you know, what are the habits, etc., that are going to get us there? Because in the past, I would get very frustrated with people who, like, by my standards of what I hold myself to weren't putting in a lot of effort. And I would think, well, like, what are you what are you doing? Like, why won't you just like why would you show up to the gym one day a week and then disappear for two weeks and then come back? But then you like dig through like the why questions with them and find out that actually. They don't really care about hitting like uh, one rep max on their bench press or whatever. They just want to generally feel a little bit better, and they can kind of achieve that by not being like massively consistent with their training. They can come in once yep. or twice a week, and it's not a big deal to them. So, I guess I had to reframe like what what constitutes me going doing a good job. And I think when you first start off coaching. You get caught up on the the means by which you get to the end, and when you figure out like what the end really is for somebody, uh then you can. There's loads of flexibility in how you get there. Because if somebody is like, I don't know, I just want to gain a little bit of muscle and feel a little bit stronger, and you're like, okay, what what exercises do you enjoy? Are there exercises that would really motivate you to do that? And you find out that actually they'd much prefer push-ups to bench press. I'm like, fucking cool. We're going push-ups. That's fine. And (laughs) at least then. That's going to keep
1: them more engaged in the process and more likely to to come back and keep doing it. When they're like, oh, I have to do those squats today. Or I have Mm -hmm. to do the bench press. Or I have to do these deadlifts. You know, it's like they're they're more timid coming in. They don't really want to be there. And it's like, you're kind of, it's a force. You know, it's just like yeah it's that's that's certainly not the way to go um yeah,
0: yeah. both yeah so i, I think yeah you're, you're right in that like that's a common common thread with most people who become better coaches anyway i think is that they become less of a dictatorial role and more kind of like a, a guide yeah. along the way to help you get yeah. there you know
1: 100 percent um yeah, it's just I, I'm sitting here like kind of just thinking back on like my career, you know. And it's like I, I remember being such a hardo, and I went through the whole functional training phase, and it was mm-hmm. like, man. I, I, and it's it's just crazy how much I've I've changed my perspective over the years, and like how much like better of a coach I am because of it all, you know. It's like I w- like I'm happy that I went through all those experiences, and I was wrong yeah. about so many things because I ultimately like self corrected all that stuff. And it's like, and now I'm a better coach because of it. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I I don't, I think that it's like a rite of passage, right? You got to go through these, these failures in order to like, you know, they're the opportunities for you to learn and improve yourself. So
0: totally like you can't make a good, you can't make a better decision until you've made a worse one and kind of seen what the consequences of them are. It's like, I remember when I like sometimes. I catch myself being like, oh, if I would have just gone into doing personal training when I was like 18, fresh out of school and started my business, then I'd be 10 years in or 11 years into that now and like think about how much further along I've been. But like, it's just such bullshit because there's no way I could expect 18 year old me who wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach to have have the context to know to make that decision. And I remember like when I was there's doing no first- There's no way for
1: you to know then what you know now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember doing an internship. I had one of the guys on here on the podcast. I hadn't talked to him in like seven or eight years or something like that. And it was like one of the first internships I did in a CrossFit gym. And I remember telling them that I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach and uh like aspirations like go and work in the NFL or something or with the Irish rugby team. And I, I could see them just like laughing, like okay sounds cool you know and you
1: <laughs> They're know they rude awakening man <laughs> they
0: try to help me they were like look you know it's not that easy and even if you do get there it probably isn't everything that you think it's going to be both definitely
1: not as glamorous as you
0: professionally financially all of the above you know family yeah. commitments and everything going out the window and um you know there's there's nothing that really would have dissuaded me from that because i just had to go away and just try it for myself and realize yep. okay you know it's, this isn't what i thought it was you know
1: yep 100 percent, man 100 percent. oh it's been a journey though i've enjoyed it
0: yeah and um positively but also kind of grim I know that I will look back in like another 10 years or something like that opinions I had on things or ways that I was coaching people and think oh fuck why was I doing that you know
1: yeah I already know that's going to happen I just yeah. I kind of expect it and it's almost it's almost welcoming at this point it's mm-hmm. like, just because I feel like I have such a different mindset on learning and being yeah. wrong in general where it was like before you know, or when I first started rather, it was, you know, I I need to be the expert. I need to have the answers. I can't say, I don't know X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Then you just, over the years, you're like, oh yeah, I don't know about, I don't, I have to look into that. You know, it's like, you you just become more comfortable with being wrong and you realize that being wrong actually helps you learn. So you're like, okay, like I I expect this to happen from time to time and that's all right. You know, it just, and it keeps you more open-minded, you know, you're not so you know i'm such a hard stance on certain things um i just i like i barely have a hard stance on anything these days for training you know it's just like
0: well it's so hard to justify having one when you look yeah. at all the different things that work oh my you god know?
1: yeah like even things like you know foam rolling or like i yeah. don't know if you like your theragun like, yeah have at it man you know like i don't know i feel like four years ago I was like Put the theragun in your bag, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, now it's like I don't care, man. Oh, yeah. you want to do bird dogs before you? Before you, tra- you want to do a little like non-specific warm up, mm-hmm. you know, like just but I don't that's... know things that, things that I generally like. Will talk shit about on the internet. I'm trying to think of, you know. Um, yeah, well,
0: I think you know when either of us talk shit on those things, it's because of the narratives that are attached to them. Oh, 100% rarely, rarely do we see people talking about the wonders of foam rolling as like you know a, a thing that could be equivocal to just like doing a basic warm-up and not having all of the breaking up muscle adhesions and knots yeah. and stuff attached to that you know
1: yeah 100 100
0: um so yeah it's all it's all about the narratives that's actually probably the biggest thing that i've learned over the last year or two is that it's very hard to outright say that a lot of things don't work or are useless, but yeah. there's a lot of narratives that get attached to tools that are inaccurate or not helpful.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um yeah, like that's kind of that's kind of my perspective too. Like if the narrative is is not harmful in any way, you know, it doesn't have those like negative connotations where it's like, "Oh, you got to, you know, it's going to break up this scar tissue or if you don't do it you're going to get injured or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um I'd rather hear like just an honest take like hey, you could do it if you like, you know, yeah. it, you know, it, it might make you feel better, cool if you like it, cool, but like don't expect it to do all these magic physiological things that it's that aren't happening. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. Well look, we've been going for a while, so probably a good No, I don't even think we talked about what there.
1: we intended to talk about. Or aren't we going to talk about like uh the um Like pushing really hard and like or like the the how taxing high level strength training is on your body or something like that oh
0: yeah we can touch on that actually before we finish up what was what was that about like whether or not it's uh like the injury risk and the trade-offs and everything yeah 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 okay so yeah i think basically there's this idea that there's a price to be paid for pushing pushing hard in athletics and that for the average person it's it's not worth it basically that you're going to end up with like a lot of injuries and i think specifically around strength training or strength sports mm-hmm. so what would your take on that be then
1: um i mean personally like i i understand that training more often, training with higher intensities, training with higher volumes are likely to increase your risk of injury a little more so than if you weren't doing those things. Yeah. However, I think that if you are adequately, adequately prepared to do those things and you are fully willing and you know invested in doing those things, that I'm not 100% sure unless you're like on PEDs Bleeding from the nose in the gym multiple times a week, type of situation mm-hmm. that yeah, inherently more taxing on your body. Yeah. Um, because I know, I mean, as a power lifter, I'm not like a high level power lifter, but I train pretty hard four days a week. And I know people like Sophia is a pro, she has her pro card, she trains you know, multiple times a week. Like, I don't think you could look at her and be like, you're unhealthy, you yeah. know what I mean. Um, I'll, I just, I don't know, I feel like it's a kind of an odd take that like training in general is just going to be like there's this there's this trade-off from doing like basically general strength like if you were doing like two days a week of like general strengthening versus like four days a week of like SBD high intensity strength work like Mm -hmm. i just can't see you know given that you're adequately prepared and you're invested in the training that it's like more that there's like this health trade-off I just yeah. like, and I, I can't like, I don't even understand what that health trade-off would necessarily be like you're like an increase in injury risk. You know what I mean? Like potentially, yes. Yeah. Um, but like our, you know, for powerlifting, especially like the injury risk is already extremely low. So if mm-hmm. you're willing to experience, you know, a mu- one musculoskeletal injury per thousand hours of your training one to you know, then like, is that unhealthy? I don't know. Like is an M- having an MSK injury like make you an unhealthy person? I don't know. I just think that's like a it's kind of weird. It's an odd verbiage to me. Yeah. I mean like the way that it's worded, the the terms that are being used, um, I don't know. What are what are your thoughts on that? Cuz I know you might have a, a slightly different take. Um, I I guess I
0: I don't think it's a very different take. I would say that I definitely have to acknowledge that I don't know what the answer is. Uh, What's an interesting research question to me, like I think most people in the evidence-based space would be pretty happy to admit that we we all know that there's people who do no exercise, who Mm -hmm. are like in a heap and have Mm -hmm. lots of pain and would probably have their pain helped by doing some exercise. And there's also athletes... Like elite level athletes who also have a lot of pain, and that maybe the the you pass a certain threshold of you pass a threshold where the amount of vol, training volume that's required to hit a, a personal record when you're that close to your genetic ceiling has like a disproportionate increase in your risk for certain injuries. The question that I find interesting and that I don't think anybody can really take a hard stance on is we don't know if there is like a point of diminishing returns where you are significantly uh, you, you experience significantly less day to day joint pain or injury risks as like just a recreational person who trains very moderately like three days a week, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it would make sense to me that that would be true like it would make sense to me that there is you know one one thing that I've always found to be true is that that phrase of like there's no such thing as a free lunch and I do think that there's a price to be paid for pushing your body to the limits for years on years in the name of setting world records or playing professional football or whatever Um, it's a different kind of it's, it's a different discussion in the strength sports thing cuz we're generally talking more about like chronic low level joint pain and um, we have all these guys who are like in their 50s and have been lifting for 30 years and they they really strongly believe that like oh if I would have just pushed a little bit less hard my back wouldn't hurt as much now as it does well, know, and
1: uh, yeah like in the powerlifting world there's like everybody loves to quote Vincenzo saying the best deadlifter to ever live said that he wish he deadlifted less. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much more context to that statement. Like, yeah. If he just yeah, like maybe he like probably did too much intensity, too much volume, too much frequency, and deadlifts mm-hmm. fucked him up a little bit. And it's like, I don't know about deadlifting less, but like yeah, uh, manipulated the training volume a little better. I don't fucking know, but like the problem
0: Um, the problem as i see it is that most of the arguments like the strong arguments or takes around this are formed around like really extreme examples of like a sample size of one so the most common one that comes to my mind is ronnie coleman Mm -hmm. like i made a meme yeah I, i made a meme a while ago that was basically taking the piss out of Uh, that garage strength guy put up a video saying like the barbell row is like the worst back exercise in the world. And you're going to fuck yourself up with it, And just to like, just take the piss out of him, I just put up a reel of like really jacked bodybuilders doing barbell rows just to be like, shut the fuck up.
1: Ronnie and, was one them, and then he was like ronnie of in course
0: yeah of course the nitpickers who never comment or engage come out of the woodwork and they're like you're really gonna use ronnie coleman as an example for why barbell rows aren't bad for your back but the problem is that like we don't have a control group for ronnie coleman we don't yeah. know like imagine what would be worse right ronnie coleman being arguably at. Uh, Obviously people are so fucking subjective with like what type of bodybuilding
1: I don't know. Uh, Era <laughs> they like
0: but like let's just say he's the best bodybuilder of all time okay certainly the most accomplished right
1: mm-hmm.
0: what would be worse he becomes the most accomplished bodybuilder of all time and is in a wheelchair and his joints are all fucked up um and you know maybe his training accelerated some of that or he never did any of that and just by way of his genetics he was going to end up 90 percent of the way there anyway you know and we just don't know
1: no how idea.
0: big that genetic component is and it like to me it i lean towards the genetics because he's an extreme example i don't know any bodybuilder who trained at that level and i As great as he was, and as hard as he trained, I'm sure there were guys who were training pretty damn close to that hard as well. Um, I've never seen anybody who ended up as fucked up as him. So why would we blame the training when they were all doing the training? They were all taking the drugs.
1: Yeah. When that's only we blame that when that's not the norm. That's one outlier. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And people love people love to use the exception to disprove the rule. You know, and so i guess in closing taking all of that into account because i don't know i would rather get to the end of my life having done some cool shit, and have an achy elbow and an achy e achy knee that maybe was slightly accelerated in generation because i squatted 200 yeah. plus kilos as opposed to 80 but yeah. like who the fuck cares man like we're all going to be that. in a heap
1: yeah insert socrates quote yeah the one about, you know, a man not seeing what he was capable of.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the um, strength and beauty. It was of like, I said, like I said, like, I want to,
1: I was kind of joking when I said, like, I want to see how much these rods can take. Yeah. I, but, like, yeah, like, if I get to the end of my life and, like, my knee hurts a little bit, like, okay. You're doing pretty well. Probably gonna, if that's probably all you've got going, going Anyways, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd be doing a lot, I think I probably could be doing a lot worse. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like musculoskeletal health for, especially my legs. And like, this is, it, and what's wild to me is like, when I did general strength training and like a lot of the functional stuff and like, I trained mostly with kettlebells, like my legs were not I, to use the term. I don't know. I don't want to use the term functional. Right. But like, like I just, they work way better now. <laughs> like they're strong, yeah. are capable. Like I, like I can just bend down. I don't worry about like bending mm-hmm. my knee under load. Like I don't think about anything really. Like when I'm taking, st- like I just jump, I jump, you know, like uh, we have this little porch and it's like three stairs and I always jump the stairs. Like, I just, I don't know, like out of habit, not like a fun frolicking mm-hmm. thing. It's like, I always do that, you know? Yep. And I just don't think, t- and like before I started powerlifting is I was always worried about shit like that because my legs never felt that strong and I just didn't have that much confidence or trust in them. Mm. And then when I started powerlifting, which would technically be like that more taxing stress on your body, they got way stronger. And now I have way more confidence and trust in what what they can do. You know what I mean? So like for me personally, and again, it's N equals one, but like my... uh, I've improved like my overall, I feel like that's improved my health overall considerably then rather than not doing those things. Could, and you know, could I have found, could I have started barbell squatting heavy and got my legs really strong without powerlifting? Yes. But Mm -hmm. like it gave me this like, um, you know, regimented program to follow that was like, okay, now I'm barbell squatting twice a week. I'm deadlifting once a week. Like I'm doing all these leg accessories and it was like things that I never really did before. And within a year, I was like, holy fuck, I can squat like all this weight, deadlift all this weight. And like, these are things that I never thought that I'd really be capable of or that my legs would be capable of, not myself because I'm an idiot. Um <laughs> <laughs> Overly confident, I should say now. But uh yeah, I mean, I, personally for me, like powerlifting has been life-changing. So, so yeah. to try and say that like, that's more, that's a taxing type of training and you should avoid it is like, to me it's not it's it's well worth it if you know you're willing to invest the time and effort into it um mm-hmm. and, you, and you are not dumb about it because sir, cert- like don't get me wrong like if you're going into the gym and you're like maxing out like every training session and you're like taking pds and you're like just doing like stupid shit, like yes yeah. that's probably unhealthy mm-hmm. you know but if you're going about training in an intelligible manner like, I can't, um, I I don't, I just, you just can't convince me that that's bad for your body. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially um, like, when like, the average like, person. Like, wait, maybe always... like, you know, yeah. on, like the 10 grinder doubles on, you know, with yeah. 800 pounds on your back, like maybe that's a little much, especially if yeah. you're like Peds, you know, it's like, but I don't know if you're, especially if you're a drug-free lifter, raw mm-hmm. lifter, like, man, like get strong. I'm See just how... I'm, yeah I'm in,
0: I'm inclined to just go with the Occam's razor answer of most of the issues that people encounter are age related and just the the normal degradation of human bodies over time you know yeah. like I was doing much stupider training when I was like 16 17 had no back pain at all you know yeah. and now there's some days I'm I'm going to be 30 next year and there's some days I wake up and my back just hurts and mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't hurt at all when I'm deadlifting a PR, and sometimes it hurts like shit when I'm deadlifting like sixty percent. You know,
1: Dude, like two weeks ago, I or like three weeks ago, I got off the couch and I just like hopped up like I normally would, and my hip did this like weird jerky thing, and it was just mm-hmm. like the pain was like, like it was like I was like, what the f- just did I just do? <laughs> oh, you
0: know? and like
1: literally, like it affected my sleep that night. I couldn't roll over. Yeah. And then the next day it was like, I got up and it hurt and I was like limping around. And then like, you know, as I was walking and moving around about the day, like it started to get better. And then literally the, the day, the day after that, it was gone. And I like yep. went into squat and I like did my normal squat workout. And I was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. It's like, I guess I'm getting older, you know? And it's just like, to speak to the age related changes, you know, that's, I feel like that's stuff that's naturally going to happen and who's to say that if i wasn't taxing my like you know you get to the end of your lifespan like who's to say that the age-related changes are worse because you did training like
0: that's this you know like it's just it's so so hard to to tease like what the the causation is there you know
1: yeah and then if you think of um what was i know that's a very uh, the image that went viral the the mri images comparing like the the older um the weightlifter
0: yeah
1: the, the, um quad index of the weightlifter and the quad index of the sedentary person they were like both in their 60s or 70s and like the the weightlifter had like still a significant amount of muscle mass you right, know yeah. still a significant amount of bone density and the sedentary person's just like fucking withering away
0: yeah and well, i know this
1: that is there's a famous um henley um oh my god i feel so bad because he's not with us anymore. Glenn, Glenn Penley. Yeah. Ben, yeah. Um, so he there's like a, a famous video of him somewhere that where he's like saying he's like, um, he's like, you know, I'd rather be 60 years old with a little bit of knee pain and the ability to the abilities that I have. And like, you know, from the lifetime of training, you know, I'd mm-hmm. rather go through uh, I hurt my knee a couple of times, it hurts a little bit now, but I still have this high level of function, yeah. rather than like the person who struggles to stand up from the toilet. And it's like, yeah, well, you're, um, you're in pain and you're weak. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'd rather be in pain and strong than be in pain and weak. So that's kind of yeah. my on that.
0: All, all of this stuff for me gets put in perspective anytime I go to visit my granny because she's 90. I don't know if she's already 95 or 94. She's old anyway, hmm. and uh, she's in a nursing oh,
1: genetics, home. man. <laughs> yeah, the, and the Irish genetics.
0: I know um small women live a long time short women um statistically have good outcomes for lifespan but when you when you go into a nursing home it is so so grim so grim and it really puts into perspective like what are the things that you should actually be worried about in terms of like where you're going to be in 50 years Mm -hmm. like To have some knee pain have some back pain but still be able to sit up out of a chair like we talk about these things about say the wear and tear of training as if these questions exist in a vacuum like all all else being equal but all else is never equal like that the real world doesn't work like that so maybe what if it turned out that by training hard you increase your odds of i don't know joint degradation by x percentage but if you don't Very train bad. hard you miss out on the cognitive protective effects of training by x percentage would you rather have an increased risk of dementia when you're in your 70s and have some sore knees
1: you know just because you might have a little bit of joint pain you know if you're if you have you know your bone density is yeah. greater than you know, the, the next person in your mu- you still have your muscle mass and you still have some muscle strength. Like mm. that's going to go a long way physically too. You know, you'll yeah. like uh fall risk, right. You're going to be um less yeah. likely to like break something. If you fall, you know, there's a lot of things that will uh, mediate that. It's just really interesting to me when people try to make that wear and tear argument, it's like, I don't know, mm. man, I've seen some old people like, not be able to move well and they're not strong and they're very frail and like yeah i just that 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 kind of freaks me out a little bit you know like that's that's Mm -hmm. i don't want to be that at all like i don't want to struggle to get myself around my house or to the bathroom or like anything like that you know like i want to still keep some level of like muscle strength and and physical ability for sure like Uh, that actually was one of
0: the the most popular memes i ever made was uh comparison of like uh oh i don't know if you saw that but it's like a uh old man who's jacked and <laughs> so uh, glad to ruin my body withered, oh my god that's a
1: beautiful little, yes dude that's literally what i'm talking or what we're it's talking a little about.
0: withered like sausage yeah. guy in a wheelchair <laughs> being like so glad i never ruined my body with that strength training stuff
1: <laughs> yeah like we're all going to get like, old like yeah what what physical abilities do you want to hold on to as you age yeah you know this is all competitive lifting all that shit aside i want to get you know big guns it's like all right cool but like let's talk about how we're all going to look in 50 years
0: yeah so we'll keep fighting the good fight mark yeah Um, we'll we'll wrap it it there i think um i doubt Knowing people's attention span on Instagram, they're going to make it much past two hours.
1: Yeah, they won't last that long.